Yeah, I want to welcome everyone on our Lancaster campus. If you're watching us online, it's great to have you for week two of a series called Mixtape. We're talking about love. We're talking about relationships. And I know many of you have made a mixtape if you're older or a playlist for someone because you love them. And we're talking about these kind of relationships because at the end of the day, I think there is very little that's as powerful as the emotion of love. Or the action of love. I think there's so, I mean, when you think about relationships, and here's what I think, we are made for relationships. All of us are. There is something in us that I believe was put in us from our creator that says we crave, we desire relationships of all types. We don't want to be alone. But I believe that one of the most powerful relationships that we can experience on the inside that affects our emotions, that affects our desires, is that of a romantic relationship or finding what we call the one. Finding someone. And we've been talking about this as we kicked off last week, saying there's an order to love and, and all the things that God has designed for us. But I, I want us to recognize not only is there a pool there's a pool inside of us to love. There's a pool inside of us to want to find someone. But I also feel like there's a push. That there's a push around us that is pushing us into relationships. Pushing us to find someone. And here's the thing. I haven't figured this out. It starts at a really young age. This idea of like being pushed to find someone, to, to be dating, to whatever, it starts at a young age. I don't know where this message comes from, but listen, I know this because I'm a dad and I have two girls. And I remember this time when my youngest daughter, Audrey, at the time, she was like seven years old. And I remember her telling me one day how she was going through the list of all of the boyfriends that she had had by the time she was seven. She had the three boyfriends by the time she was in first grade. Now, I don't know where that's coming from. I can sure tell you it's not from me, all right? I don't understand how even in like elementary age, there is a push to find someone, to have a boyfriend, have a girlfriend. I don't get it. Now, I know, like, when, when they're kids and they're six, it's cute, right? I know when they're, like, at that age, you're like, oh, that's cute. And then they go to middle school, and it's not cute so much anymore, right? I got one's middle school, high school, and all of a sudden, now it's like, Dad, I want to go hang out with that boy over my dead body. Like, you know what I'm talking about, parents? Like, no way. Like, and, and, and it's like, why do you need a boyfriend? This is what I would say to them, right? Why I don't get it? Because there's a push. Somewhere in our cultures, I don't get it, there is a pressure that is saying, you need to be with someone, and it's real intense when you're in middle school. It's real intense when you're in high school. Listen, it lets up a little bit when you go off to college because no one knows you, and you're out of the house maybe. But then you finish college, all right, and you start working. If you're still not, man, with somebody, and you start in 27, 28, all of a sudden now your own family's putting pressure. Mom's like, look, man, I want to be a grandma at some point. You better find someone. There's a pressure. And listen, what starts out as a pressure quickly turns into a fear. I think that there is a fear that many, many people experience. Maybe one of the greatest human fears there is is that of being alone. We don't want to be alone. We're afraid to be alone. 
And so a lot of times people will go from like relationship to relationship. It might even be bad relationship to bad relationship, right? Because they're afraid of being alone. I understand that. I I wanted to do something a little different. I know we're in a series and it's about relationships and mixtape and love and all that good stuff. But but I wanted to kind of address those of you who are single in our church. I wanted to take one weekend and just say, I want to talk about this idea of being single because so often that pressure makes you feel that if you don't have someone, something's wrong with you. What's wrong with me? Everybody else has got a girlfriend, boyfriend, not me. Everybody else is getting engaged. Everybody else is getting married, not me. What's wrong? And I want to say something that you will not hear from culture. You'll not hear from your friends in school. You'll not hear anywhere else. I want to say this. It's okay to be single. It's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's okay to be single. It's not a sickness. Singleness is not a sickness. It's okay to be single. Okay, no one's going to tell you that. But listen, some of the people that have made the most, I don't know, impact on this world were single. I bet you never thought about that. You ever heard of a guy named Sir Isaac Newton? Did you know he was single? Sir Isaac Newton, a guy that gave us so much about science and physics and laws. Here's the thing, okay? If he were married, I bet we don't even have all the laws of physics. We've got one and that's it. Because how many of y'all know that you're married and you put all your time that and your wife's going to be like, why are you spending all your time doing that? Get a real job. Okay? So there's some, there's good things to being single. Let's be honest, right? How about this person? Mother Teresa, single, incredible, one of the most amazing people that made an impact in this world. Single, right? Or here's one that a lot of people don't think about. Jesus. You didn't realize he was single, right? Jesus was single. A lot of people are like, you know, don't even understand because they don't understand why he came. And it's like, wow, the dude could walk on water, but he couldn't get a date. I don't even understand that. Listen, Jesus would have no problem with that, okay? He just came for a higher calling. That's all. That's why. And and then there's another guy that we're going to hear from today. And I thought, okay, if we're going to talk about being single, let's hear from a guy who's single. Somebody that honestly is so impactful in our faith, if you're a Christ follower, and in the the New Testament church, a guy who wrote about two-thirds of it, his name was Paul, and he was single. He made such an impact on this world, honestly, partly because he was single. And so I just wanted to say, like, I want to talk about what it means to be single, like in a relationship series. I know it doesn't make sense, but here's what I have seen is I've seen a lot of people go through a very destructive dating process or pattern in their life because of they're afraid of being alone. And I, in fact, I ran into this, this, this mom, I ran into this mom this week and I didn't really know her, but she knew me and she'd come to our church, you know, years ago because her her son at the time really found our church and wanted to come. And, and, and so I was talking to her and she was telling me about her, her, one of her sons. And she, she, I mean, I wasn't even talking about this. And she brought it up and she was, I said, we're doing a dating relationship marriage series. And she said, well, I, I wish my son would come because he, he goes from one bad relationship to the next with the wrong person all the time. And he'll know it, but he won't get out of it until he finds somebody else because he's afraid of being alone. And I thought, I wonder if there's more people than we realize that struggle with that. I, I wonder if there's some of you here today that you're, you're, you're single 
and, and you, you feel a sense of being alone. Maybe you're divorced and you find yourself kind of alone these days or you're widowed and you find yourself alone and there's a fear that's kind of grabs a hold of you. I, I want to encourage you. I want to share a different perspective. If you're dating, you're engaged, I, I want to talk to you today. Now, here's the thing. As we talk about singleness, and I want to share with you today three reasons, great reasons, I believe, that you don't need to date. That's what I'm going to share with you. So I'm going to help you out, okay? And I'm going to talk to you if you're single, if you're in a relationship, if you're engaged, I'm going to be talking to you. If you're divorced and single, if you're widowed and single, I want to talk to you. Now, here's the only thing i got to say. If you are married, there is zero application from this message whatsoever. Do not apply this. Do not go home like, hey, well, Pastor Tim said it. No, you're, it's too late for you. <laughs> That's what I want to say, okay? It's too late for you. But if you're single, I, I, I want to encourage you today. Can I encourage those who are single today? Is that all right? I just want to encourage you today, if you're single, to say um, there can be value in it that you don't even see. And so let me give you a new perspective when it comes to that. Uh, the first thing, reason why I don't think maybe you need to date or maybe you should consider not dating for a season is this. Recognize that being single is a gift from God and it has its advantages. Like being single, I know it doesn't feel like this. You're going to be hard-pressed to find any single person that says it's a gift, okay? They'll say it's a curse. I see everybody else in love, I'm not. I see everybody else with somebody, I'm not. I, I want to give you a new way to see your season of life. To say, hey, you know what? Maybe it is a gift. I'm going to show you something that, that Paul, a single guy, said about singleness. That it's a gift, gift and it has its advantages. Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 7. Now, this is a chapter where where Paul writes about two married people and he writes to single people. He's talking about relationships and marriage and, and some of the things he says is like commands from God, but a lot of it he says, this is my take on this. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 7 through 9. He said, I wish everyone were single just as I am. Like all single people think that. We know that, right? I wish everybody was single, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. If, if you're married, you need to recognize something. Your spouse is a gift from God. Amen? Come on. If you're single, Paul says, you need to recognize the season you're in is a gift from God. That's what he says. Verse 8, he says, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. I, I know it, it, it kind of seemed a little ironic to have a single person encouraging other people to remain single. You know, you kind of wonder, okay, was Paul just tired of being a third wheel, you know, going out with his friends and they're all together and it's like, I just, you know, misery loves company. You ought to be single with me. You know what I mean? I don't think that's the way in which Paul is saying this. I don't think that's the heart behind this. I don't think that's in context of what he's saying. I think what Paul's doing is he's giving permission to those of you that are single. And he's saying, you can embrace this season of your life and see it as a gift and not a curse. That, that there's something special, even in this season of your life, 
that you don't look at it, oh, it's awful, it's terrible. But if you could step back and see it, Paul would say, from his perspective, he'd say, I'm telling you, there's great things that can happen in your life because you are single. In fact, I, I kind of was thinking about it this week, and I, I sat down and kind of wrote out what I would say are some benefits to being single. Now I'm married, and, um, and so I feel like I, I can speak to this because I've been single and I've been married. And so I, I've, I've lived enough of it to kind of know what are, what are the benefits of being single. I, I wrote some of these down. Here's a benefit to being single. You get to decide what you want to do and when you want to do it. Come on. Everybody's married is like, I oh, know. <laughs> like when you're single, you, I mean, that's a, you can do whatever. You're free. Free. To do whatever you want, whenever you want. You can eat what you want, when you want. Listen, it may not seem like that big of a deal, but wait until you get married and you're going to find out that it's the source of half of your fights. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? You choose. No, you choose. Eh, you know what I mean? I don't want to go there, okay? Like when you're single, embrace this season of your life and going, I'm, I'm free. Yeah, I can do whatever I, I can do whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can live wherever I want. If I want to just get up and go somewhere, I can get up and go somewhere. If I want to go to the gym every single day, I can go to the gym every single day. If I want to play golf after work, I can play golf after work. Come on, there are some benefits to being single. Amen. None of the married people want to like, sure. I know you're sitting with your spouse. You can't say a word. I got it. I got it. No, it's awful. You don't want to be single. It's the word. Okay. I'm saying there's some benefits to it. Here, here's, a, here's another benefit, right? Uh, you have more money for yourself. That's a benefit? Come on, I'm serious. It's a benefit. Dating's expensive. Really expensive. Going out all the time, seeing movies and dinner, buying gifts, and, uh, you know, always. Have, listen, dating is so expensive. That's why married people stop doing it, right? Because they're like, I got you, and we don't need to spend the money, right? I mean, it's expensive to date. You're, when you're in a relationship, it costs money. You got to buy gifts. And, and I know, I know, here's the thing, because. Like every, you know, special holiday, like Valentine's Day, right? And you see everybody's buying each other gifts. And you're thinking, oh, man, hey, look, you got flowers and you got this. And you're going out and doing all that. And you feel miserable. Here's, I'm going to give you some advice. This is what you do. Next time, if you're single, Valentine's Day, buy yourself something nice. So you know what? I'm going to buy myself new golf clubs because I love me. That's what you should do. Celebrate you, Okay. It's okay to be single. I'm just trying to show you there's some advantages to it, all right? Let, let, me, let me give you a couple other ones that, that may be a little more serious, but I, I think if we'd recognize them, we could find value in this season. You have more time to develop your gifts and your talents for God. You do. Like whatever God has put in you, when you're single, you have more time to draw it out. To, to find out what you're good at, to find out what God's gifted you to do, to, to find out that, I mean, like, you, you, you might love music, and listen, you can play an instrument, and you can practice things. I want to get on the band, man. I want to play guitar, whatever. Listen, when you're single, you can develop that gift. You can practice. You can spend hours, and you don't have somebody going, when are you going to stop that racket? You don't have that. You can develop that gift. If, you, if you're someone that's passionate about people and wanting to lead, you can lead a group. You got more time to invest in people. You can lead a volunteer ministry. You can, you can do things 
for God. You can develop things inside of you that you might not otherwise be able to when you're in a relationship. Okay? So I think that's a, I think that's a good one. Another one I would say is this. You have more time to serve and make a difference in this world. So I think Mother Teresa made such a significant impact in this world. She had a lot of time, and her attention and devotion was to God. You can do that. If you're someone who's single, this is a season where you can, I can do things for other people. You want to, you want to, I want to be a missionary for the summer and you're off. Go and leave for three months and do that. You don't have to worry about your relationship and all these things. There are benefits to this. If you're someone who serves and volunteers at the church, listen, you can do it every weekend. It doesn't matter. You got time and you, it doesn't affect somebody else. Like I, I'm saying like, let's not always look at this from the negative side of, well, I'm alone. You are in a season where you can develop yourself and your relationship to God. You see, where most of the time when you're dating you're always in a search to find someone else. Can I suggest something? What if you were to use this season to really find yourself? To discover yourself. To discover who God made you to be. Discover the passions God put inside of you and what he's calling you to do. And so listen, I know it's like I want to overlook this, but Paul would say, hey, this season of your life might be a gift. Like embrace it. Discover who you are and what you can do for God in this world. I think it's a good reason. Now, Paul did say, but if, if you can't control your desire, then you should get married. Which leads me to my second point. I want to give you another reason why I think maybe some of you should be single and should not be dating. And that is this. If every relationship you are in ends up horizontal rather than vertical, maybe you shouldn't be dating. If every relationship you're in ends up horizontal rather than, do you not understand what I'm saying? Do I have to expound? I'm saying if every dating relationship of yours ends up sexual rather than spiritual, then maybe you ought to take a break from dating. That's all I'm suggesting. Because, because you don't understand maybe what is happening to you. You don't understand. This guy, Paul, who's single, who understands the pressures and the challenges of these. That's why he speaks to it. He said in one chapter early, earlier in 1 Corinthians 6, these words. He said, run from sexual sin. Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. This will affect you. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? was given you by God. You do not belong to yourself. If you're a Christ follower, he's speaking to, says, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I think probably one of the hardest parts to the dating relationship, courting relationship, we talked about last week, is this idea of saving yourself sexually for someone you'll marry. You say, why in the world would I do that? We talked about it last week because I believe that God has given us an order to love for the sake of protecting us. That's why. If you heard last week, we talked about Jacob and Rachel and how he fell in love with her. It's easy to do. You get attracted to someone. But then he developed a real love for her. And after he committed in marriage, he made love to her. There is an order that we see all throughout Scripture that Paul is speaking to. That when we bypass it, when we kind of jump the gun, when we do this, we don't realize what we're doing to ourselves. 
And I, and I just want to be real here today and say, listen, if, if you're someone, especially in school, I'm going to say even middle school and in high school, there is a crazy pressure to lose your virginity. There's a pressure that if somehow you, you, you are saving yourself, you're weird, somehow that if you haven't slept with somebody, there's something wrong with you, you got a plague, there's what's wrong with you. And here's what I have seen, and it's, it breaks my heart, young people who give their bodies to somebody else simply because they don't want to be the weird one and don't even realize what they're doing to their soul. You see, don't believe this lie that you'll hear in culture. It's just sex and it's just physical. Sex is just physical, right? Let's get physical. It's just, it's just physical. It's not a big deal. It's just what you do when you love somebody. It's just how you can you know, show your love. It's just physical. Listen, it's not just physical. We are not animals. We, we don't just have urges that are instinct to procreate. We have emotions, we have a soul, we have, there's more to us than that. And listen, God created sex. I, I need to say this because you, you might hear this today and it's like sex is, you know, I think a lot of times in the church we've heard sex is bad, sex is bad, stay away, it's bad. And then you say, I do, and then it's like, I guess it's good, but it, it's, I've been told it's bad. And it's like, no, God created sex. God created it for a powerful purpose. Not just a, it's a physical act of pleasure, but God created sex, listen, so that you would form a bond of oneness with somebody. Listen, you will create a connection with that person. It's more than just physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's intimate. And here's what you don't realize. This is what our culture, no one's going to say. Every time you have sex with somebody, you actually give a piece of your emotions and your heart and your soul to that person. That's what you do. You let them in on something that's sacred that God gave to you. And so what we see, and Paul says, you gotta, you got to watch out, like flee sexual immorality because it will hurt you. The reason why there's an order to love, listen, is because God is trying to give a guardrail to protect us. Not to take away our fun. It's to protect us. It's meant within the safety of a covenant like marriage. Where it's just you and that person. That's what it's designed for. Sometimes guardrails are good. We got these rails in our house um, that go up to our second floor. Uh, we got like an open staircase and wrought iron rails that go all the way up. We have a two-story house. And uh, we have like these cats and cats are crazy. Anybody here have cats? Raise your hand if you got cats. Okay, we got some cat people. We got some cat people. Listen, cats are crazy. Uh, our cats will go outside of the rails and walk on a ledge that's about three inches wide, two stories up. Two stories up. And I remember the first time, like, our, our, our cat Ellie did this. And we saw her go out of the rail, turn, and then she walked on the ledge. My daughter's about freaked, okay? They're afraid she's going to fall. And I, I said to him, I remember that time, the first time I saw him, I said, you wait, just wait. She's going to fall, and she's going to be done. Like, because you, you, you're a cat, you're like, what, this tall, and you're going to fall like 12 feet? Like, you're done, right? And, uh, and so every time she would go out there, we'd try to coerce her, get back, get back, right? You know? So all of a sudden, one morning... 
I'm getting my daughters ready for school, and I'm making lunch. We're all around the island, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a white blur go, shh, We ran over there, and, you know, I was like, and, and my daughters are freaking out. I expected to see a cat flat on the floor, legs straight up in the air, dead. That's what I expected. She did not die. She came up limping a little bit in one leg, but she was okay. But guess what? She had never done that again. Now, here's the thing. We don't have one cat, but we have two cats now. Why? Because my daughter went and got another cat the moment she had a car, which, again, we are still in counseling about. And she got this she got this other cat. Guess what he did? Went outside the rail and he fell. Okay? I, the point I'm trying to make is here's what I've learned in all this. You go outside the rails, eventually you're going to fall and it's going to hurt. But I'm not talking about cats. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about love and I'm talking about sex. When you go outside the design... When you go outside the order, when you go outside God's plan that he gives us for sex in a relationship, listen, eventually you're going to fall and eventually it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And so the reason why God gives us order, the reason why God gives us these things, listen, it's not to ruin our lives and our fun, it's to protect us. That's why there's boundaries. And I want to say this, if you're dating someone right now, if you're engaged to someone right now, listen to me. You need boundaries, and you need to establish those boundaries immediately up front, or you will always go too far. Set them up. Hey, we're, we're never going to be alone together in this kind of environment. We're, not, we're, not, we're going to have this. We're going to have accountability. We're not going to hang out at this house. We're not. You set up boundaries for this. Another one that I, I strongly suggest that you talk about, hey, we're never going to spend the night at each other's place. I'm never going to sleep over. I know it's late and you watch a movie and it's 1230 and I'm tired and all this. But listen, you establish those boundaries up front and on purpose to protect yourself, your heart, to protect them. Okay? Because I promise you, what starts out on the couch is going to end up in the bedroom. You can't buy that. You set boundaries. And if you do this, you can protect your heart. And so here's, I guess what I'm saying. If every relationship that you're in, you're single always ends up horizontal rather than leading you closer to Christ, vertical. But I'm just going to suggest something. Maybe you shouldn't be dating. You ought to be single for at least a season. I'm going to give you a third and last one. Uh, just Again, these are just things I found in Scripture that I think might help you. I, I think that you should consider remaining single if every time you're with someone else, you cheat on Christ. If every time, you know, you're dating someone else you cheat on Christ so what do I mean by that like well let me let me tell you what I mean by that because as a pastor I have seen this happen more times than I can count I have seen people come to church this church single people I've seen them come broken and hurting and weary I've seen them come and encounter the presence of God in a real way. I've seen them come and experience Jesus in a new way. And I've seen them come alive in a way I hadn't seen before. I can see hope in their eyes. I can see a trajectory of their life that begins to turn in the right direction. I, I have seen where people begin to develop a real love and connection with Christ. I see them growing in their faith. I see them developing into a person that, that God wants them to be. I see all of these things happening. And then all of a sudden, they get a boyfriend 
they get a girlfriend. And then guess what? We don't see them again. This has happened more times than I can even count. It's like, oh, I'm, uh, it's me and him. Oh, until she comes along. I, I've seen this over and over, and it breaks my heart. And so I say that if, if you're someone and you see this pattern where every time it's like, I'm good with God, my faith is growing until I get a boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'm saying maybe you shouldn't date for a while. Maybe you shouldn't. Here's, here's what Paul said about this. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32 and 35, he said, I would like you to be free from concern. He's talking to those who are single. I'd love it if you could just be free. He said, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. If you aren't married, he says, your focus ought to be on pleasing Christ. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Again, if you're a woman, you're single, he's saying, your focus ought to be Christ, his affairs. He says, her aim is to be devoted to the Lord, both in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you might live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Listen, if you're single, hear me today, young or old, your aim, your goal, whether you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, engaged or not, your aim should be to be devoted to the Lord. He is the one that I need. He is all that I need. My relationship with Christ should be my number one. He says, but when you're married, your attention's divided, and it is. That's not, it's not a sin, it's not a bad thing. Listen to me, husbands and wives, you know that, re it's reality. That my relationship with Christ is number one, but I know my attention has to be to my spouse. And when you're a parent, moms, right, mothers, it's also to your kids, and your attention is divided. Now understand this, listen, when you have relationship with others, it will divide your attention, but it should never divide your relationship with Christ. Never. It should never get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. And so if you're single today, I want to ask you this question. Has this kind of been what happens in your life? You fall in love and you lose your first love, Jesus. You fall for someone else and you forget about him. And you disconnect from your church family. You disconnect from your your own family, you disconnect from your friends because I've seen this happen over and over. And I'm just going to say, if you've seen that pattern in your life, I want to challenge you. Consider staying single for at least a season. Consider it. If you're someone that every time you get in a relationship, it ends up horizontal, not vertical. If every time you're in a relationship, you end up kind of losing the fire of your faith, you end up kind of losing your passion for Christ and what God's doing in you, then I, I want to challenge you today. Whether you're young, whether you're old, I'm going to challenge you with this. If that's you, and you know this, and only you can know this, I want to challenge you with this one challenge. Would you consider making a commitment to be single for one year? Now, it's not a command. It's not about, I'm just saying, would you consider being single for one year? Why? So that you can get your mind, your heart, your body, your soul right with God. So that you can get the 
right foundation in your life so that when you do date, you'll do it in a way that honors God. What you need more than anything else is a man or a woman, if they're going to come alongside of you, that will build your foundation of a relationship on Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And so I'm just saying maybe today it's like, maybe I consider, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment to myself for one year. Stay single. I know it's scary. It's scary because we don't want to be alone. But I also want us to understand this truth today. And I, and I believe that God wanted me to minister this to many of you. Is that if you're here today and you feel alone, I want you to know this truth. God wants to draw near to you in this season, maybe more than you've ever experienced in your life. If you're here today and you're alone, if you're here today and you're divorced, and you feel alone, and you're brokenhearted because of what you had and what you've lost. If you're widowed and you've lost someone special to you and you find yourself in a place where you just, I just feel alone. If you're, listen, I want to say this. There are a lot of married people that feel incredibly alone in the middle of their marriage. I want us to recognize something. The presence of God wants to meet you. Psalm 34, 18, I just want to encourage you today. says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's near and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're here today and you came broken and hurting, feeling alone, feeling lost, feeling empty, I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants to draw near to you today. He wants to show you his love and his presence. And so in those moments where you feel that way, can I encourage you, turn toward him. Say, I'm alone, I'm hurting. I'm Turn to him and allow him to meet you in a way that no man or woman can experience his presence. Amen. Come on, would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. God, I really feel in this moment, this season, that there are some here at church today that feel the pain of being alone, being hurt. God, I pray right now that they would know your love, that you would surround them with your presence, your grace, your Put your arms around them. I pray, God, in a season of, of being alone, I pray they would not be lonely because you are with them. You promise never to leave us, to walk with us through everything we walk through. And I pray right now for those who are single in this church. God, we, I care about them and their heart, their mind, their body. I pray, Lord, that you would help this message, God, to resonate. To You would help this message, Lord, to... Pray that you would speak through your Holy Spirit on how to apply it in their lives. I pray people that are stuck in destructive patterns and behaviors, God, would have the strength to trust you to get out of them. And maybe commit to build a relationship with you for the next year. God, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you, God, for ministering your truth to us today. And we pray these things in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's praise God right now for his word his presence. Amen.